Episode 47 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. We're back again. Salim and Hams, we're back. We're ready and we're good to go. Salim, how you been? It's been a good weekend for you so far besides the Aston Villa result. Same with me. It was a good weekend besides the Man United result. Football tends to ruin it sometimes, that's why. Yes, but on, to be honest, I mean, weekend was sort of ruined by that. But yeah, it's, it's been good. It's gone really quick last week. As and, you know, again today we're sort of Tuesday sort of done now kind of thing as well. We're halfway through nearly the working week and yeah, on to, on to next weekend. And then, you know, the days just go by really quick now as it is. So, so yeah, I mean, winter's coming and, you know, festive period as well for football is normally a great time with, you know, sort of fixture congestion and sort of the random results that do come out too. How's the football been for Inter uh, Batley this weekend? Did you play? Was there a game on? Yeah, it wasn't that good. It was a cup game and we we lost. Uh, there was a team that played really good football. They're only like 19, 20, but yeah, they beat us like 8-0. That's so, really yeah, it was uh, Yeah, but they're really, really good. Like they've got a system from like under 10s, you know, all the way up and mm. all the players are comfortable on the ball and stuff. But yeah, so, so back to league action uh, this weekend, which is good, I guess. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to the Villa game on Friday night. Um, yeah, Friday night football, I guess. Yeah. I went back to Friday Night Football this weekend, uh, last Friday as well. So it's my first kind of socialising since being ill and having that horrid cough. So it was, it was quite good to go back. Um, I was on Arif's team against Raheel's team and um, we lost two of the games. So that wasn't great. But it's just, it just good for me to get back into fitness and get back into kind of the routine. Because I was saying uh, previously to the guys there as well, like you, you work all this uh, you do all this hard work over the summer and over the lockdown to get your body right, your fitness right, your mental health right. And then when you're locked up indoors ill for two weeks, it doesn't do anything good for you at all. So it's just about getting your routine back and realising why you're feeling a bit down and feeling a bit upset. It's more because of the fitness element than anything. And it's quite nice that when when you learn about it and when you kind of put your mindset in a state where exercising is is as important as brushing your teeth on a daily basis or two times a day obviously that you brush your teeth it just makes things a lot easier for me for exercise it shows how important it is um on a daily basis which is pretty good for me as well um but no i'm looking forward to the week ahead um got the atalanta game tomorrow and that's kind of what i wanted to talk about yeah. with you today Salem. so basically just the cost of being a football fan in in this day mm. and age is probably more than it's ever been at the moment with the likes of um, traveling up and down the country to home games and away games. You've got the multiple subscriptions of um, television prices for Premier League and FA Cup and everything that's, that you have to pay for as well. And it's yeah. basically just being, it's just, it's just begging the question, are football fans being outpriced out of the beautiful game? I just want to know your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. I'd say they are. I think the interesting thing is that football wasn't sort of like much of a business before, but now it's such a, Sort of, it's become more sort of business orientated, and um, a lot of people sort of do lose money, as in from you know the top down, really. Yeah. Uh, I'd I'd say it's quite expensive to be a football fan, um, sort of with season ticket pricing and stuff. I'd say that to be fair though, to Villa, like the season tickets I held during sort of uni, I sort of got like a student discount, which made them like really affordable at the time. So I do respect them for that. Uh, because I was sitting in like you know the most expensive area and I was getting it for like nearly the second cheapest price or something so that was that was amazing to be honest um, so I, I do respect them when they have that various sort of concessions available for different groups for whatever reason um, but I feel like there's still more that could be done I mean football tops are quite expensive too if you think about it they're like 55 pounds or something well that's the price of villa ones but 
65 uh, for this one and then with yeah. my discount it's like 53 so it's not too bad but it's still expensive it's still, it's still quite a lot i mean the thing is you're going to buy one every year aren't you really because you're going to look outdated it's not like you know night like just a plain polo t-shirt you buy which looks the same every year kind of thing just without the badge uh, and the logo and then you're just there like oh yeah it's just a red t-shirt in it for 15 20. yeah that's it um so yeah so i think i think it is quite expensive especially if you get the kits printed as well that's like another 20 pounds with like a premier league badge on yeah um so yeah the price is quite pricey i think even even like when you go to away games you know you're paying for the travel and then obviously investing the time as well to get there even for home games with some people if you live quite far then you know like for me if i want to go to a villa game now i have to drive down you know for two hours before i could just walk there in like you know 20 minutes and i'd be there kind of thing so football fans are like really committed if you think the sort of lengths that they go through just to watch sort of 90 minutes of football you know for enjoyment which they're paying for and then on the other hand you've got your sky sports and your bt sport as well which you know you have to pay a lot a lot for which is why like you know people are sort of going towards like streams and stuff like that i feel like if it was cheaper like amazon are trying to get into the game now as well well they are in the game if they were to find some sort of cheap sort of thing like a subscription type of thing like how netflix and like amazon prime they're quite cheap so if, if somebody charge you like if they charge you like 15 pound a month for unlimited premier league games like nobody would ever stream ever again because it's so cheap it just work out better yeah there's so much but, to kind of um, back on that as well but we'll start with the last point you mentioned about about the streaming subscription as well and there's a situation in the uh, USA where the NBA have a subscription-based fee for whoever wants to support their own team. And instead of streaming it illegally, they can just pay for the games that their teams are involved in. So okay. if you're supporting someone from, let's say you support the uh, LA Lakers, for example, and you just want to watch their games, you just pay a subscription on a monthly basis where you just get to watch their games home and away, which is perfectly fine. But then you'll have to pay like an extra subscription if you're going to watch all the big games, all the top teams, and if you're going to pay, if you're going to pay the ultimate amount as watching being available, uh, being available to pay to pay for all of the games available, top or bottom of the league, which I think would work in the United Kingdom. I think it personally would be really good for a lot of people in the United Kingdom instead of paying. Um, for example, £45 for Sky Sports, and then you've got BT Sport again, £25 on top of that, Amazon Prime as well, which is crazy because, again, tonight the Champions League will be on BT Sport. Then you'll have the FA Cup in January onwards on BT Sport as well. The Premier League will be on Sky Sports. The FA Cup will also be on BBC as well. The England Internationals will be on ITV as well. Amazon, like you said, are coming in the game, and they always come around November time, November, December for Premier League games December, as well, yeah. which is crazy. And you're kind of there thinking, like, as a football fan, because you are paying a lot just to watch yeah, the game a lot. from home as well. And it does add up, and people do have bills, and there are um, financial situations which have been worse and worsened over the pandemic as well. But what I kind of um, wanted to more, more, more kind of think of like the the, the more the travel of, of going to actual games, just like you mentioned before as well. Like when you're actually going to games, like you said before, you could walk to it. Uh, there'd be no cost to the it. Park. Yeah, but now you've got like the fuel cost. Um, like for for me, for example, I use tomorrow for example. Tomorrow I'm going to watch Man United versus Atalanta, so it'll be a home game. It'll be an hour away from me, but I'll still be stuck in traffic. It'll still be around 35 miles away from where I live currently at the moment, which is yeah. fine. I'm happy to do that. But I know for a fact, like I'll probably go and get some dinner or get um, a late lunch or something. That'll be an extra 
15, 20 pound per head, basically, let's say. And then there'll be like the odd coffee here and there. There'll be the odd snacks that you'll get before the game. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously you've got the fuel of driving within the city and then you have to drive out of the city. And then all of that adds up before the ticket. And then if you, like you said, people do go and get um, shirts every other year. My kind of way of doing it is getting it until it like rather rips or um, it just doesn't fit me anymore. So this is my first new kit in what, 11 years, maybe 10 years of Man United. So it's quite cool to get the new kit, which was pretty good. But I get what you mean. Like literally people will get the new kit year in, year out because you don't want to feel outdated. There'll be new players you want to get on the back as well. And it all adds up. But It's just kind of, you're kind of there thinking, Salim, is it kind of still kind of worth it? Is there something that the Premier League clubs could be doing better to help financially with the fans? Because I think that student... Um, that student thing that Aston Villa did would be a great initiative for a lot of clubs to follow suit in. I think that'd be brilliant to help students save some money and still bring in the youthful um, fans coming into the ground. Have you got any ideas of of what you think uh, clubs could do better or learn from or steal from from other clubs? Um, I mean, I think the the model in Germany is that ticket prices are quite cheap, if I'm not wrong. As in, like, they're really cheap, aren't they? Yeah, so the maximum, like 20, uh, 20, 30 euros a maximum they would be because um, one of their, uh, I think it was one of the Bayern Munich um, directors was saying the ticket prices for a football fan, we negotiate that in transfers um, for over 15, 20 minutes or so. This is all paraphrasing, but it's like, because it's worth more to a fan paying £30 rather than £80 a ticket or £60 a ticket. We'd rather have all the fans there for all of our games than missing out on like a transfer deal. So it's just like negotiating in transfers. Like, you know how people have like, like Arsenal have the most expensive season yeah, yeah. in the league yeah, at a thousand yeah. and something pounds, which is ridiculous because it's London prices. It's uh, meant to be premium football and still something that people love to go and watch, which is great. But when you're kind of looking at it and thinking, would you rather pay a thousand pounds to go and watch Arsenal play, or would you rather spend that thousand pounds elsewhere? Because it could be used differently. But when you're looking at the German model, like you said as well, the fans have fifty percent of the ownership of a lot of these clubs at the same time, which works well. So they have that authority in the boardroom, which works well for them as well. I think that'd be brilliant for the United Kingdom as well. You get so many more people coming into ground. It would help with the lower leagues of football as well. You get other people coming in, which would be brilliant. And it's not so customer orientated it's more um fan orientated i would say so it's yeah. not just like oh people are coming in to buy the tickets for a um for a couple of selfies at, at the old trafford um <laughs> the emirates or wherever basically it's there to support the fans who actually want to go to the games and appreciate that it's a lot of money and it's a, a lot of um time that they're spending going to games really uh, yeah. but yeah i quite like that student one i think that should be something that a lot of people yeah everyone should just do that i don't know if clubs are doing it but i think that that's a really good one for like a young person sort of discount you know um i don't know probably students the best way to go though yeah students maybe an nhs discount maybe in the future yeah nhs discounts another one like you know they they definitely deserve one then you got your armed forces and all you know the rest of it yeah exactly there should definitely be concessions at every football club for them people in my opinion i agree that'd be a great way of going about it um even with the streaming thing, I don't think that's changing anytime soon, especially with the whole Newcastle situation as well with the B in sports and the mm. the issue that they had as well. But now that's all resolved and Newcastle United are now officially 
going to be up there with the big boys over the next couple of years as well. But I think this would be quite fun, personally. I p- personally, seeing another big team up there will be another one kind of coming through um, yeah. with these with these other big boys of spending money and spending power as well. But how do you kind of think Newcastle will do until January before they can actually sign anyone? Because I watched the game on the weekend and it started really well because the fans were up for it, the players were up for it, and then Spurs ended up winning. And then obviously there was that fan situation where I believe his stabilising is okay now, which is a brilliant, uh, brilliant news to hear as well. But how do you kind of see Newcastle doing kind of before December and before the rest of the season finishes, Salah? I think that Newcastle's team is still not so good enough. I think I might have mentioned it before, but it's even like Bruce isn't sort of getting the best out of the team. They've got some good players like, say, Maximan, for example, who I rate quite highly, but hmm. I still don't think that they're good enough. I mean, it looks like a relegation battling team as it is. And it just depends who they can convince in January. I know you're saying that, obviously, until January, but they could well end up in that bottom three by the time January does come around. And then it's a question of whether they can convince players to come because they're not going to sign Haaland and Mbappe on the first window. If they were to, it'd probably be like, you know, maybe the sixth or the eighth or even the tenth window kind of thing when that kind of thing happens. I agree. I think, think, you know, it needs to be... It needs to be quite a steady one. They need, they need to sort of sign from players like in and around them, sort of like established Premier League players. You know, the ones that are sort of in the lower end of the top half or, you know, the higher end of the bottom half. But like them kind of like decent proven Premier League players or even, you know, some really good maybe championship players, but definitely like really good Prem players, you know, like, like Ward Prowse, for example. That kind of player they need to go for first. And then they need to sort of look abroad. Maybe they could find some talents. I mean, with the World Cup coming up as well, there's going to be a lot of players that want to be playing for their country. And therefore, you've got another in there because you can find players that are not really playing much and trying to get them, you know, like you potentially like loan like Martial or something like that, you know, if he wants to keep his France hopes alive. So it's more like that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I agree completely because it's like when Man City got um, their takeover as well, when PSG got their takeover as well recently. Yeah. They didn't go out and spend out immediately straight away because they know for a fact that they didn't have anything to bring um, for the first few years. Yeah. Besides winning the league or two, I believe they won a cup or two as well. But even now, they're still not um, European champions. They haven't won anything besides the, the French league, which is still what they are. But Manchester City, they took their time with it. They yeah, had like a year or two afterwards as well. Yeah, with Mark Hughes, they were signing people like Craig Bellamy. Obviously, good players, Craig Bellamy, Shea Given. You know, um, well, yeah, established Premier League really talent. Good, there was some really good talent that they did bring in. Gareth Barry was another one. Um, so yeah, they they made some really good signings like Wright Phillips, and then they saw you know improve, like I mean Robinho. The whole thing was they signed for the wrong club. But if you take that one out because he was quite a marquee signing, they were doing it slowly, and then you know then they sort of got Silver in, they got Aguero in, and then they, you know took them to the next level because even when they signed sort of Silva and Aguero they weren't I wouldn't say they were world-class footballers at the time um, but like they were near nearing that bracket but I wouldn't say they were and then obviously they took their game to a completely different level at Man City and then you know they got in like Yaya Torre and um, it just went from strength to strength now if you look at the sort of players that they've signed in recent years you know you're looking at Edison you're looking at uh, Cancelo they're spending £50 million on a right back left back and that kind of thing, you know, 100 million for Grealish as well. But it, it's not like they, they wouldn't have been able to just go on their first day of taking over, just bought Aguero. You know, they've been through, they're on their fourth manager as well. So it just shows it takes time to do these kind of things. It doesn't happen overnight. 
especially considering where the team is at the moment. Because Man City weren't really like challenging or anything at the time, but they were clever. I think I think it was good how they did it. Obviously, in hindsight, it looks good now as well. But to think that they did it in a stable manner, they sort of got Europa League first and then took it from there. So I think Newcastle needs to sort of follow that kind of model that was put out. Yeah, so I think they'll end up over the next couple of seasons being around the Leicester, being around the Everton, Aston Villa mark of being around the ninth to the fifth place position as well, I would say, just so they can kind of get used to being in a bigger, uh, bigger pressure environment as well. But I think I think it would be something where, like you said, someone like a Marshall who wants to secure his World Cup place, they'll need to get the game time every week. They'll need to prove to their national team manager that they can still score goals and still do it in big games as well. And I think it would be it'd be quite good to see how um, Newcastle do from January onwards. But it could be a, it could be a situation where Newcastle literally are in the relegation zone. They haven't won a game this season. They're still nineteenth in the league, which is crazy. And I really wouldn't be surprised if you see them like scrapping for relegation before the end of the season, even if they do sign a couple of these players as well, because they still need yeah. to fit in from January to May as well. Then. If you were a player, would you want to go to Newcastle under this form? I probably wouldn't at this time. It wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't convince me because, again, there's no certainty of the manager. There's no certainty of the way that they're playing. They changed the way that we're playing on the weekend as well, and there's no certainty of staying up in the Premier League as well, which is crazy to me. So it's all going to be a bit, a bit of fun seeing how Newcastle do. I still need to do like a career mode on Newcastle and see how much I can spend in this year as well because you could get people like Coutinho, Julian Draxler, Martial even. You can get so many of these players. Connor Cody would be a good signing, but uh, boosted their defense up as well. I would say, but it's just how it goes, really. Ah, so you said you've got a Friday game, Salah Aston Villa. Yeah, um, Arsenal Villa. We've got. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that now. I'd say the pre yeah, weekend. Arsenal. Yeah. They didn't do well yesterday. I was watching the game. Um, and the highlights today as well probably is it wasn't it wasn't that great from Arsenal because they started really well I was watching that bit the first half which was good Pepe Aubameyang going forward Lukonga still looks decent to me and Udegaard is someone who I think will be at Arsenal for a quite a long, long number of years as well but they gave their game away pretty easily as well they should have lost that game it was really good that Lacazette saved them but I think it'll be a, it'll be a tough game for Aston Villa against Arsenal at the Emirates but you tend to do well at the Emirates don't you Salon? Well, we've won our last three games against Arsenal uh, without conceding a goal. Um, yeah, I mean, it'd be a great pick-me-up kind of thing because the Wolves game was the one that if we won, we would really set a marker down and pushed on this season in that top half. And we were 2-0 up, we were cruising and, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have lost that game for starters anyway. But I don't really want to get into that. But if we would have won that game, it would have been amazing now considering, like, you know, what our ambitions are and our aims are. But... Mm. That's gone now. We need to still move on. And Arsenal's, you know, probably the best game for us to bounce back, considering that we do quite well against them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I did watch a little bit of the Palace game and um, Palace did look decent as well. I don't, I'm still not convinced uh, by Arsenal, to be honest. Think about the money that they've spent, because a lot of people are saying, you know, they haven't spent, but they've spent big money on a lot of players have signed a lot of players, but it just seems like everyone they sign just never works out or they have one or two good games a season and and that's it. Like, you know, they just don't look so amazing. Like Ben White's 50 million. I know he's one, maybe one for the future kind of thing, but he doesn't really show much at the moment 
considering the sort of responsibility he's got. And they've got so many defenders as well, which they're just not all just not up to that sort of standard that they require. But I think, yeah, I think we should go and we should beat them 1-0. That's, that's my prediction, to be honest. Do you reckon you'll do a 3-5-2 against this Arsenal side with, with Ings and Watkins really putting pressure on that defence? I think, but I don't know. I've got a feeling Dean might switch back to a 4-3-3 now. Mm. I think, And I think Watkins will be put to the bench. Yeah, just to kind of match Arsenal with, with the way that they're playing as well, their style of play. But um, I think it will be an Aston Villa-Arsenal draw. I think it will be a 2-2 draw. I think it will be a time where Arteta really has to put his his faith in some of these players again and really have to go for a, a proper a proper victory because Arsenal sometimes like you said sometimes they're looking good sometimes they're looking bad kind of quoting Gattuso there the way I, the way I said it but it's kind of like you're like okay they've kind of got over this drought but they haven't Arteta is still not still not the man for me at Arsenal and if you still have some of these managers who are available it'd be worth it I'd say to get some of these managers in at Arsenal I think it would be really good to see how you could actually give them the type of money to spend and improve, but it is what it is with Arsenal. Uh, I think it'll be a 2-2 um, game. Chelsea versus Norwich, that's at 12.30 on Saturday. Chelsea win all day. Yeah, definitely. They were... They were mind you, Lukaku's not got a goal or an assist in five games, to be fair, but yeah, I think I think Chelsea will get the win. Yeah, they were, they were back to the wall against Brentford for that last 15, mm. 20 minutes, and that was a fun game to watch Brentford because... If you ever needed an advert for the Premier League, that would have been a really good one to watch as well because they drew against Liverpool a couple weeks before at home and then they, at home yeah. against Chelsea. They nearly took the European champions to um, to a draw and nearly, nearly to yeah. a win. And even though people were saying, oh, yeah, uh, Chelsea would win, I was quite confident last week. I thought uh, Bright, uh, Brentford would actually win. They didn't, but they had so many, so many chances. But Mendy saved yeah. them so many times, which was brilliant. From well, and the post, Mendy and the post, wasn't it? Yeah, literally just like that. What do you think? Chelsea win? Yeah, Chelsea win for me. Easy. Crystal Palace versus Newcastle, uh, three o'clock. So I think it will be another Newcastle defeat. I think Crystal Palace yeah, will win. Palace, Palace they, win. They were decent without Zaha yesterday as well, don't you think? You got Benteke, you got yeah. It's not it's not Zaha. It's not Zaha FC anymore, which is really really happy for Palace uh, Palace mm. fans and you know so anyone associated with the club that they're not Zaha FC anymore. Yeah. Olise was decent in that second half as well from the highlights that I saw as well. So it's good to see Olise getting some game time and hopefully he'll be yeah. one of the great players of the season because I think it's going to be one to watch um, going forward, Olise. I've forgotten what the other guy's name is at Palace that they bought from where Olise came from, Reading, being injured. Oh, Eze. Eze, yeah, that's the one. I'm looking forward to seeing him back. Yeah, he was good last um, last season as well. It's good to watch. It was a fun player as well. You got Everton versus Watford. So Everton, I think Everton will win because Watford are still um, new under Claudio Ranieri. Again, they've sacked a manager straight away in the season. They got demolished last week by Liverpool, who look like the most informed team in the league at the moment. Um, but realistically speaking, Everton should win. I know they haven't got uh, Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison, but Everton, they still have that. They they still play decent against West Ham besides losing. Like they had a good they had a good 60, 70 minutes before conceding. But Everton should really win this game. What do you think, Salah? Yeah. Uh, I agree, to be honest. I just can't see Newcastle doing anything. So, yeah, Everton for me again. Mm. Then we've got Leeds versus Wolves. Leeds are still hit Ooh. and miss. Like, Leeds still haven't climbed out of the bottom quarter or bottom half of the league. Wolverhampton Wanderers, they had that, obviously. It's like we said, it's that, it's that burnout kind of thing. Uh, I mean, Wolves look really good when um, Pedence came on. Mm. Was it Pedence? Yeah, it was Pedence, I think. Number 10, Pedence, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I think for me, uh, I know I've sort of cut you up here, but I think for me it's going to be a draw this one. I still can't see Leeds sort of getting that top 10 this season. Yeah, it's like they need to find another way of actually defending properly because they can see too many too early, I think, for Leeds United. Yeah. And when you keep playing like that, it's quite easy to find a way of, of combating it, really, even for someone who's not really um, an attacking team. But Wolverhampton Wanderers are an attacking team. They like to counter on the break as well. So it'll be quite fun to see how Wolverhampton Wanderers do against this Leeds United side. Then we've yeah. got... Uh, Southampton versus Burnley, probably the most boring game of the weekend. Hopefully, I jinxed it and it's like a 5 4. 5 5 or something. Trust me, it'll, it'll be so fun to watch on Match of Day, but I think it'll be a 0 0 game in this one. Uh, that Broger guy scored as well, Broger. Um, Broger, yeah. So that'll, that'll be one to watch from the future as well. He's a former Chelsea player, or he might be on loan from them. I'm not too sure. But it'll be good to see how Southampton do at home against this Burnley side, but I think it'll be a 0 0 game. I think it'll be very boring to watch. Yeah. I don't even I have no idea, honestly. I'll just Most go for a one. I'll go for a one-one. One-one. Most relevant game of the weekend. Again, I hope I'm jinxing it. It's an amazing game. Um Brighton Hove Albion versus Man City. So battle of the top six. So Brighton Hove are some mm-hmm. of the top Brighton six. Brighton do then. play some good stuff, you know. I've I've said it from last season, but I think I'll go Brighton two, Man City three. Yeah, I was gonna go for like a four-two Man City away win. They're winning at the moment currently against Club Bruges. They were in three 0 last time I checked as well, so it'll be it'll be good to see how Man City do because Man City don't look like they're slowing up anytime soon as well. They had the challenging game against Liverpool, they had that challenging game against Man City, no Man City against uh, PSG. Sorry, no one else is really on their level, unfortunately, from what I can see. So it's going to be quite difficult to see how anyone can really stop this Pep Guardiola team this year as well. Mm. And I do like the fact that Phil Foden's playing a bit deeper in midfield as well. I think that's quite nice to see him having a bit more control on the game. That'll be good for his future and it'll be good for England's future as well, the way that I see it personally, because I like him on the wing, but having a bit more control and dictation in that midfield will only benefit him and his game further. Mm. Ranford versus Leicester, Sunday, 2pm. That, that, that'll be a good game. Matt. Two really good, you know, ball-playing teams. Mm. Leicester looking like they're hitting form. It's like you mentioned, we mentioned that Leicester weren't looking that good and then they obviously got the points against United. Um, they needed Leicester that, to be fair, because... They've got the players and stuff. I just feel like they're going through like a burnout this season, whereas next season they'll come back stronger. But obviously, Jamie Vardy is going to be another year older. Mm. I think it'll be a good game, this. I think 3 all this one. Yeah, because it was, it was like they came back from the international break and Evans and... Uh, so Yunchu were back as well in the starting eleven as well. So that was a brilliant uh, sign from Brendan Rodgers thinking that he can carry on playing. And even he said against um, Man United after the game, it was like a lot of these um, games were, n- were normally pressed a lot higher or, or usual. We expect that from Man United, but we didn't get it this um, this time around. So we got to play out from the back properly. And um, Brentford are a team I reckon they'll be putting them all the way for, for the 90, 95 minutes as well. And there's another home game for Brentford. But I do think Leicester will win this game. I think their form is back on track. They may have a European game this weekend as well, but I still think Leicester will come out on top in a 2-1 victory uh, for Leicester City. And then the game of the weekend, I think. I think this will be the game of the weekend. It's West Ham versus Tottenham at uh, the Olympic Stadium. There's another game later on, but I'm not going to mention which game it is yet. But I think this one will be very entertaining. I think this will be yeah. more of an open... Was, was, was this the 3-all? It was a 3-all last season, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who I'd probably go. I'd go West Ham two one. I'd go West Ham three two in this one. I think it would be a fantastic game. 
uh, another advocate for the Premier League as well. I think West Ham probably one of the more settled teams in the Premier League at the moment. I know Tottenham won against Newcastle, but anyone can win against Newcastle this season. Clearly, it's, it's shown. But West Ham United, they'll have that European game on Thursday as they normally do. But I think for uh, Tottenham Hotspur as well, because they also have a European game on Thursday, that West Ham will kind of do better than that. I think West Ham will have it on the fullbacks, especially Bowen, Ben Rama, uh, Fornals. That'll be more of a feared attack for me personally against uh, Spurs' defence of like Rondon and uh, Dyer at centre back as well, Romero and Dyer, whoever's at centre back. But realistically speaking, I don't think Spurs can win this game against West Ham. I think West Ham will be up for it. And I reckon West Ham will actually do it, um, do Spurs in 3 1, 3 2. That's how I see it. I think I give David Moyes more credit. I mean, you know, considering where he was quite good at Everton, then obviously he had sort of hard time at United and Sociedad. But who was that Sociedad, wasn't it? It's Sociedad and Sunderland as well. Sunderland, yeah. I mean, he's had a hard time. I think, you know, the way he's, you know, come back, he's been a bit unlucky this season as well. But considering where he took them, they just about survived relegation with us that season. And then he pushed them up, nearly, nearly got top four as well. So the job he's doing is amazing. They are signing some quality players sort of year on year too and improving players too, which is quite important. It just depends if they can hopefully keep hold of, you know, Rice and a few of the other guys. that You know, they could really push on and it'd be nice to see someone like West Ham get a top four spot. You know, why not? So, yeah, I think it'd be a good game and I think they'll beat, I think they'll beat Spurs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see that Declan Rice hasn't left straight away for a, for a big team. He's quite happy at West Ham as well and uh, we've been saying previously that it's probably worth a lot more money now because he's he's been there for a number of years and is still happy at um at the club as well. But I I really think that West Ham can push on for the top six. Maybe a top four would be too much for them this season. But with the way that some certain teams are going in the top four, it doesn't look like they may be staying there for the rest of the season. Certain teams I should mention. So depends on if the listeners are catching my drift. But um, final Premier League game of the weekend is Manchester United versus Liverpool. Um. 4.30 kickoff. A few of the guys on the, on the pod are saying that they're not going to watch it or they're going to not really care of going to the game. But realistically speaking, it looks like it's going to be a free-for-all for Liverpool. Objectively speaking, Liverpool will win this game. As a Man United fan with a Man United kit on, the only way I see this going our way is if the players react to the fans like they normally do in these big games and they actually turn up and they actually put their heart and soul into this game. But of all the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer teams that I've seen, personally, Salim, this is probably the one that lacks heart and soul the most from what I've seen. It's got passion in there. They'll like a last-minute winner and uh, celebrate with the players. But it looks like there's a lot more that this team can kind of do in terms of the nitty-gritty of the football um, that, that we play. Because the game against Leicester, we were woeful. And we got sought out realistically. Like it was 2 2, and people were getting guessed, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to come back. And then at kickoff, we conceded straight away. That doesn't happen. It's not FIFA. And it's not, it's not um, what I expect in a Man United team when Wan Bissaka goes flying into the uh, fullback. I think it's Castagne did. Could have got books or red card. It was, it was assault from Wan Bissaka. But Wan Bissaka versus Mane, Luke Shaw, who's off form. Let me get this clear. His off form as well. He's been poor this season against Mo Salah, who's the most informed player in, yeah. in the league right now. Harry Maguire, who's still coming back from an injury, probably rushed back a day, a game too early, I think, against Firmino, yeah. maybe Jota even. But realistically speaking, I think we could 
end up getting a draw at best. I don't see us winning. But objectively speaking, I think Liverpool will walk all over Manchester United because we lost to them 4-2 last season at Old Trafford. Again, in a not so meaningful game. But realistically speaking, I think Liverpool will win this game and they'll have the bragging rights. How do you see this game going, Salah? Man United. See, the thing is, all the United fans I've spoken to are saying like they're really worried for the game. Saying, you know, that they're going to get smashed and Liverpool are going to kill them like 5-0, 6-0 and all this kind of stuff. And they're going to embarrass them. And, you know, I've just that's all I've kept hearing. But the thing that people are forgetting is, especially United fans, that in a derby game, you know, anything can happen. It's, you know, probably one of the biggest games in English football, if not the biggest game. And anything can happen in a derby game. You know, form just goes out the window. It, it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, you could be on really bad form and the players can just like react to the crowd and you could pull off a shot victory because... Liverpool are going to be feeling nerves too. They're going to be scared that, you know, what if what, what if we do bottle it? And we have seen it at times in the past where the form team has gone to a team that's out of form and been outplayed. But anything could happen from the first minute. Somebody could get sent off. United could get like a penalty. You could park the bus. There's so many different factors that come into play. Like we've mentioned for United that, you know, you've got the players. You could name, you know, a solid 11. The bench is strong too. The problem is that, team isn't playing well collectively as a team as a unit and there's no sort of substance and style that the team are showing which is what we've mentioned on here and so pundits are mentioning it now too so I think as long as you put up a good a good starting 11 and they are up for it they'll respond to the crowd and the crowd can sort of help you through you know the first five the first 10 and then you take it from there really how do you kind of see the, the midfield battle going? Because that's kind of where I kind of see where we end up losing the game in terms of second balls, in terms of possession. And realistically speaking, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer looks like he's going to revert back to Fred and McTominay, his tried and trusted midfield, which doesn't win us games. It won't really win us titles, but it just helps that defence out a lot more as well. Do you kind of see him going for that Fred McTominay? Do you reckon he could change anything? Or do you reckon it's think- kind of Liverpool's to lose in that midfield? No, I think you have to play with two two defensive mids. And I think that you probably should avoid playing out from the back as well because it doesn't really work for you. It doesn't. Uh, you can't, people you can't people don't you. learn that. Like, people can't make see you that. Work. Whichever way you want to see it, the players can't make you work, whichever way around it is. Okay. I think, yeah, so I just think you need to not play out from the back. You definitely need to play two defensive mids. And you just need to feed Ronaldo. That's as simple as that. Like, you've got this thing where you just cross from anywhere and, you know, he nine times out of ten we probably even win the header it'd be a good battle him versus Van Dijk it'd be interesting to watch that so yeah honestly just really looking forward to the game yeah it'll, it'll, it'll be good from a neutral point of view as well but it'll be good to see how uh, Man United line up because personally I'd go for something more along the lines of um, Matic McTominay in that midfield I'd go for Pogba on the left I'd go for Fernandez in the middle and I'd go for Greenwood on the right and then Ronaldo up top Mostly, mostly because I know for a fact that Robertson and Trent, Trent's back, isn't he? Trent came back against Watford. Yeah. They'll be going back that way as well. So it's basically, if you want Matic and McTominay to do the job in the midfield, you'd rather put Rashford on the left, who will track back Trent. But I know Pogba will, can also just um, tuck into the midfield as well and make it a free. And Greenwood can stay up top because Greenwood's pressing is poor. It's atrocious. Like, he'll get to the place and he'll just stop. So when you press an X on FIFA, he'll just stop from a certain area. He just won't do it. And he did that against Leicester. It was visible as well. I'm kind of glad that Gary Neville kind of called him out as well because there's a lot of 
He's getting, he gets a lot of favouritism, but Mason Greenwood has still got a lot to learn. And it'll be good to see how he actually does over this season as well, learning from Ronaldo, learning from Cavani, because um, there have been a few times when I've seen players and they just don't want to do the hard work. But Cavani is someone who I know will do the hard work. If he makes a squad, I'm not too sure, but it is what it is, really. That's kind of how I see it. And no, that's, that makes that, sense. that's kind of how I see it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the end of the Premier League review as well. Um, but no, I think we're all good. That's that's kind of our weekly podcast done. We've discussed what we wanted to discuss. When are you back at Friday Night Football, Salim? Potentially next next Friday, you know, actually. Could mm. be. Yeah. If you are, let me know. I'll happily come and, and play as well because it is a, yeah, it's a good I'll, decent I'll game. Tell before, I'll tell you, we'd know by Tuesday when they put the list out anyway, but I'd, yeah. I'd probably tell you, I think most likely it will be next weekend because I'm probably going to come for the Villa game on the weekend too. That's cool. I think it's West Ham. I think it's West Ham next week. Yeah, West Ham's a Saturday game, I think it is. Which will be, which will be yeah, it's quite a while away, so I need to get, get through this week and get through next week too, but that's that's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, really. You're good. How are your new boots, by the way? Uh, I've not worn them yet. I mean, they're just, uh, they, they were behind me. I've not, I've not worn them yet because I'm still trying to like um, break them in kind of thing because oh, okay. they, are, they are quite tight. So, I've just because I bought my normal. It's a bit weird because um, I wear size eight shoes, and uh, for football boots with Nike Adidas, I had to go up a full size to nine. Yeah. But with the boots being like elite boots, there the fit is really different. Like kind of, it is really different to like the the sort of cheaper ones I used to buy. So like the other ones that I got, they sort of fit me at eight point five. So then I bought these at eight point five, eight and a half as well. But when they came, they were too um, they were too big for me. Oh, okay. Like, quite a gap between like sort of my foot and the boot. So the thing is, you can't really play football like that because of the gap. You know, you can't, you can't really do it. So then I had to go for an eight. So eventually I got the eight. And then um, when I was just like trying it on and stuff, it was quite tight. Uh, I spoke to some people and they're like, yeah, yeah, you need to go down. It's like, it's right that you've gone down basically. And uh, yeah, basically that, but that's it. So I need to sort of just keep walking around in them and stuff like that and hopefully break them in and good to go. <laughs> That was like with me because it was the first time I was playing with um, the molds at Friday Night Football when it was like I couldn't do my normal kind of defending because my leg was flailing flailing around and I was still breaking mm. them in. I've only worn them a couple of times at university. But when I'm playing it properly, I'm like, yeah, it still doesn't hurt. There's a blister or two on my feet. And then I think I caught some. I think it was Connor that I caught. Um, apologies, oh, Connor, if you're listening to this. But I literally was like um, trying to defend, but then one of my molds just like clipped the back of his foot. I was like, oh, yeah. Hurt. If it was an AstroTurf, it'd be perfectly fine. But I know for a fact yeah. I'm never go I'm never going back to AstroTurf when I'm playing on the six aside pitches. It just makes yeah, it so you, much easier with these molds. Yeah, you have to wear molds. This is the best way to be honest. It feels a lot safer as well, less slippery and everything as well, which is which is brilliant. Definitely, yeah. It has yeah. to be like that. It needs to it needs to be done. So everyone who's listening, make sure you wear molds and play six aside football and AstroTurf. It's so much easier and a lot safer. That's a tip from us at Friday Night Counter-Attack. Right then, um, we'll leave you all to go. Salem, thanks for the podcast as always. Thanks everyone for listening as always. We actually hit 200 views for the year this week as well. 200 200 hours of views for the year, which is crazy. So thank you everyone for listening and for watching our videos. It's been great and it's been fun to do this because we're more over a year now, but it's the fact that we've continued to do it and I'm quite happy that we've continued to do it and there's more for us to kind of talk about and discuss.
Episode 47. Um, so this is the next part of the podcast for what we're doing this week, where we're basically just talking about um, the cost of being a football fan, really. So I thought I'd get someone who I know has been a passionate season ticket holder for God knows how long until he moved abroad and is living the life of a foreign football fan. So uh, welcome back to Friday Night Counter-Attack, Oliver. Nice to see Yo. you again. How you been? Yeah, nice to have you, man. Yeah, all good, man. Looking forward to having a chat about this. Obviously, been out of the country for a while now, so mm. not like a regular fan these days, more of an armchair guy, but uh, spent my fair amount on away days that have turned sour, <laughs> put it that way. I, I can't even spend, I don't even like spending money on home games that turn sour as well, so that's something that we'll have a, <laughs> a good chat about in this in this segment today as well, but um, you were the one that brought up this conversation, this topic of conversation, sorry. So I was like, you know what, it's quite fascinating to me as well. But I just wanted to know your first impressions of like the cost of being a football fan in this day and age, um, first of all. Yeah, man, like I was, I'm quite fortunate because my dad is the, the big enthusiast. So he was like the one forking out all the money in it. So I was quite fortunate in that sense. But when I got older and started to go to like away games, yeah, man, like the the, just uh, you realize the cost involved, like especially if you go up with a group, and if you're like going up on the binge, you know you're getting the beers in, and then you know, the bus, all the travel, and then you get there, and then the stadium just like mad expensive in it. So, and then European away days, you might have to fork out for a flight. Yeah, man, it's just it's crazy, man. The, the amount of money that, especially the diehard fans, are spending on their club. And perhaps not even getting a, a good return. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's how I've seen it personally. But then that's kind of on the flip side of what it's like to be a football fan, really, isn't it? Because you want to support them home away and you want you want to show your support and you want to be able to say, Oh yeah, I was there for that moment in um in Amsterdam when Lucas Morris scored a hat trick. I know, for example, you weren't there, but I know you've been to quite a few um away games in the Premier League as well, where you've ended up winning at some big games as well. Maybe not the best of games like Arsenal or Man United or Chelsea, but you still went to that big game, <laughs> away, which have been good for Tottenham Hotspur at the same time. But I just wanted to um, just get into that at, at the first point of view, because more of more of us, more home fans that would go to games on the podcast, all of us go to the home games. One or two of us are season ticket holders as well, so they get to go to away games if possible at the same yeah, time. Nice. But even for someone like yourself, Oli, so kind of skipping when... Um, like your dad was the one that was paying for your ticket and it was kind of when you were kind of old enough to go out with your friends and other guys and just how you alluded to there more about like how you could spend your money socially and spend your time socially before the game and after the game how did you kind of find that um, going forward for those first couple of years when you're going for home games and away games really yeah man like just as a football fan you're, you're generally quite happy to put like spend your money on, on football mm. but yeah as I said man like Growing up, it was always my dad paying. So, you know, when you start going on your own, you start to realise the costs. It's crazy, man, especially at the time I was a student. So it was literally like all my money is kind of, not all of it, but, you know, most of it's going on on like the sesh before mm. and, yeah, travel there. And then either like happy drinks after or like depressing drinks, <laughs> depending drinks on the regardless. result. Yeah, man. And then, yeah, just like the whole thing, man, just adds up, right? And uh, no, man, like, I don't know, these days, like, I can't imagine going back home now and doing that just because the way football's going, 
I'm just like, is it even is it worth spending all your money on on these teams that don't really give back to the fans anymore? I don't know how you feel about that, man. Do you feel no, like it's, I, it's worth it? Or? I just wanted to compare like how a match day um, from one to another as well. So just as I was smiling about you spending your drinks, uh, when, whether you win or lose as well, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like that with me. So I'll, I'll describe a typical match day uh, for myself and then you can just compare with how you would do it as well. Because again, uh, for everyone listening, me being a Muslim uh, guy, I don't go out and drink or smoke or anything like that. So ever since I've been a... Uh, a member for Man United. I've always done it from my adult life. So from my first paycheck, I got my member my membership for Man United. And just as Oli said, when he was a student, he'd be spending most of his money on going to Tottenham Hotspur games. And for me, being a student now, a full time student, I've for the first time in my life, I've actually had to return a ticket. I've never had to return a ticket in my life. <laughs> financial worries. It's because of the fact that even if I go to this game and we win, will it still be worth me going by myself? if you get what I mean, because um, mm. before when I'd be working uh, normally full time, the, the routine would kind of be like, uh, let's say, for example, it's a three o'clock Saturday kickoff game. I'd go in the morning, uh, get there for around 11 or so to Manchester with whoever I'm with, whomever I'm with, I would say. Um, we'd probably just hang out in like Manchester and in the rather than the city centre, go for a little lunch or maybe go to Trafford Centre or Mall 3 Park and get a coffee or something, relax and chill for a bit then get to the ground around two o'clock, basically. Um, we'd already have prayed, we've already parked up and everything that we need to do. And then we'd just go to the game, three o'clock kickoff, watch the game, obviously, and come back. But there's no like drinks involved or anything like that, like you would. Um, sensible. <laughs> almost, sens- almost sensible. And then like like you said, if we would go to, like, we'd go to Manchester, we'd make a day of it as well. So we've already spent some money like going for a coffee or going to these different places at the same time as well. Um, we'd go for dinner afterwards as well, or a late or a late lunch. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, we'd always got to get get dinner in. Yeah, I'd always get dinner involved. So obviously, going to Manchester, a city that I don't live in, but now I study in, I'd always go to like different restaurants here and there. If we were to like lo- lose or draw, but if we were to like win, I'd go to like one or two ones that I just like to go to because I know the food's quality and it'll be a good end to the day as well. But if, especially if you're going with someone like younger than you or someone who doesn't earn an income, then you have to pay for them at the same time. But if you're going with someone who does earn an income, then you can split the bill either way, which is fine. But again, the fuel cost still comes into account. The ticket cost still comes into account. The food cost still comes into account as well. And all the miscellaneous, like the extra drinks you get um, before like a, a coffee or a tea or a couple of snacks here and there. Same man, yeah, yeah. And the fuel to get back as well. But on the, <laughs> negative, yeah. on the negative side, if you've gone to a game, for example and you've gone to a game and you've lost the game, you're all feeling bad about it as well. And that money's kind of just drained out of your bank account at the same time. I was saying it to my um, friends last week at Friday Night Football. Yeah, I went to football last week with my friends, which was good. But I went and I uh, was speaking to, to them and they're like, yeah, we've been to almost all the games this season, the home games. I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> look, when you look at it, we've only won like two or three. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> Leeds, Newcastle, Villarreal. I've been to two of those, the Newcastle and the Villarreal game so far. I'm going to the Atalanta game tomorrow um, in the Champions League. But then for them to still go and make that money, um, the money to kind of just go for them working full time and then for them to say, yeah, it's still, t- it's still burning a hole in our pocket. It it's all for ca- CR7 though, bro. <laughs> That's what I was saying. It's, it's, it's the honeymoon period of Cristiano Ronaldo coming back and the guy who I've got in my background, Jesse Lingard with Ronaldo, you want to see that link up properly. The boys, the boys. You want to see them play. Um, but no, I, I really like going to Man United, but I think 
I'm quite happy with my my routine of going like once a month. Once a month is mm. enough for me. And um, there have been times when I've been like two or three times in a month just because I had nothing else to do. So that was kind of when I was like living with my parents and I kind of had the extra income and um, yeah, yeah. I wasn't the responsible grown man that you see in front of you today. Um, <laughs> how, how would your away games kind of go, Oli? So let's say, for example, I remember you went to Borussia Dortmund once upon a time. Um, don't tell me the result until the end of it, but how did you kind of experience <laughs> that, whole, that whole experience of flying out there, paying for stuff, maybe a hotel even? How did you find that? Yeah, man, that was that was a, a long trip, actually, because we decided to take the uh, the bus up. Mm. So, <laughs> so like, I probably would never do that again, but great, great experience. Like, you know, like hard times make great people and whatnot. <laughs> not good in the, like, it, no, no luxury about it, but... It was the cheapest way to do it. Obviously, we just we just we go for the football. We, we're not there for luxury. So yeah, took it was like a night bus, cross on the ferry, um, to the stadium. Like get there, try sleep on the bus, get to Dortmund. All the proper hard hard uh, yids. They're all like no toothbrush, no shower. But it's our first time, right? So we're like dying to like get a bit of sanitary. And uh, yeah, and then you go like, they drop us off and we had to like get a train into the city. And then it's early, man. The game's not until the evening. Like we were just spending money like crazy. <laughs> just beer after beer. I couldn't tell you how drunk I got. I, tur- I-, I turned into like a-, a football hooligan, man. Not mm. proud of it. <laughs> and then, yeah, you're in the stadium. I remember we brought uh, like more beers and then we realized, you know, I think these are like non-alcoholic beers. <laughs> And then by that time, you're so drunk. You're like, oh, man, I want the real beer. And then, like, I think, I can't even remember. We must have got food there as well. And then, bro, the score. Do you know the score? I'm waiting for you to reveal it. Oh, man, I can't remember. <laughs> I just, was it 3-0 or was it 3-1 to do? <laughs> it was around 3. It was around 3. Um, yeah, they, they battered us, man. Poggettino put out a really weak squad as well, so. When, as soon as we saw the squad, we were like, we've come all this way to watch Josh Onoma play. <laughs> we were like, oh, my days. But, but man, yeah, it's just expensive, man. That, that's, what I tell of, that's what I wanted. That's why I thought um, it'd be a good idea to chat about this because of the, the commitment that you put in as a Spurs fan for someone who's a student at the time to go and support your local team who you've supported all your life, to then go and see your team in the Champions League who have been who at the time were in and out of the Champions League at the time, were in and out of the top four, which is fair enough because it's quite competitive. People were coming and going in terms of managing. Uh, yeah. um, even for that game as well, that was crazy because you were looking at it thinking you really should have been rewarded with a better team to play because the fans who are going there, does do the management or do the team take into account that there's 3,000, 4,000 fans from North London coming to watch the team play in Dortmund? But if it's a reserve team or a second team, and you lose, do you kind of just betray the fans in that way? Or is it just one of those situations where you're looking at it thinking, oh, yeah, it's better for the team to have a rest before the Premier League game on the weekend or wherever it was? That's what I I can't tend to grasp. Because as a fan, like you said, do we still enjoy it the same way when your your bank balance is getting hit a bit more more than you normally would, which is is a bit crazy to me. Yeah, man. And it's just like mad because like at the end of the day, football is like, the working man's game like it was the working man who who was playing supporting everything and now like football just kind of mirrors like 
society out like real life society where the top one percent have all the money and it's not just like i don't know like psg man city chelsea they have all the money well newcastle now newcastle and like they have they're sitting on so much money man yeah and then like just the smaller clubs are getting like battered man just like financially and it just kind of mirrors like what it's like to be a fan you know like you've got this club that's a like worth so much and then you follow them with like your love and passion and then they just don't reward you man <laughs> it's like a it's like emotional abuse <laughs> yeah it's, it's when you're looking at it now in this day and age is the football fan more rewarded for following them on social media or following them um electronically rather than actually going to a game following them across the country or following them across europe in these kind of European games as well. Because I'm looking at it thinking, Man United have, what, 60, 70 million people following them on, on Instagram or something like that. And probably more on Facebook and loads on Twitter and everything like that. Yeah. And yeah. You, you can kind of think most of them uh, will never go to a game at Old Trafford at all. Sad to say, but most of them will never go. But for the 75,000 people that will go on Wednesday or on Sunday against Liverpool, they know they're going to a game. They know they're paying to watch their team play, but are they still being rewarded in that kind of fact? So thank, besides the announcer saying, thank you for your support. You've been great today. What else do you kind of get? Or is it more just like we're the consumer? We have to consume watching um, the, um, this team play the way that it is at the moment. Because even if you look at teams like, um, even if you look at teams from last year as well, when the whole lockdown was available um, for everyone to see, there was no fans in there. It kind of showed that football could be done without fans in stadiums. Hence the suit yeah, created and everything. But fans it, came it was so fans. wrong though, man. It felt so <laughs> wrong. Like <laughs> it's like it's like it's, it's a, best way I can describe it is like when you're looking at um in that Real Madrid group in the Champions League, they've got Sheriff and they lost to Sheriff at the Bernabeu. <laughs> yeah, it shows that football is still the working man's game. It is for everyone. There were pundits who were writing them off, and even me. On my Champions League preview, I was like, I don't think Sheriff will do anything special in this group. And that's what football's about. It's about the surprise from the underdog, which they which they really did at the same time. But yeah, man. If that's you were... the thing that's Sorry, what I was just gonna say, that's the thing that money can't buy it, man. Like the the that part of it, the working class, the the real the real fan. Mm. Money can never buy that. And uh it's harder to come by these days, I feel like for a team like Sheriff to do it or a team like Leicester to win a Premier League, it's just getting harder and harder. And man, I just don't know how often it will happen in the next 10, 20 years, man. Just things like that might become so rare these days, just because, as you mentioned, about like the following on social media, everything's just coming customer-based, not fan-based. And fans are not really getting the reward, man. So yeah, maybe it is like, it's better to just follow them on social media, as sad as that is, because that's just not how football should be, in my opinion, anyway. And then we move on to um, the television rights and everything like that at the same time of um, watching your football team, of some people not being able to go to these games um, for whatever reason. And for some people, it's quite easy to just get a subscription and just watch Sky Sports. But for some people, they, can't, they don't have that luxury of being able to do that. And I remember me growing up, for a couple of years, we didn't have Sky Sports or Satanta or ESPN or whatever. The nah. other well, it'd always be Match of the Day or the ITV show to watch the highlights. That's it, man. And you kind of, you're kind of looking at it thinking nowadays, there's what, four 
um, broadcasters in the UK that will do television, um, Premier League football for and FA Cup football and all of this is crazy because you've got BBC who will do the um, FA Cup. You've got ITV who will do the international football uh, qualifiers as well. Sky Sports for the main Premier League, BZ Sports for the main Premier League and Champions League. And Amazon will come on again for Premier League as well. And then you'll be looking through so many different subscriptions to pay for, so many different ways of having to follow your team going forward. And the Premier League fixtures as well, they're run by, they're kind of decided by these um, big um, broadcasting companies as well. So Man United mm. played most of their games um, so far at like 12.30 kickoffs after playing away in Europe or playing a European game on a Wednesday. And same with Chelsea, same with Man City and Liverpool as well, where they've been playing games at stupid times because they're the, they're the draw. They're the main attraction mm. the weekend as well. And the way that um, the broadcasters look at it is because if you're, if it's like Brighton versus Chelsea, for example, it's Brighton's turn to be on television because they've got a big name to play against um, Chelsea or Man City or whoever, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is crazy. And that's kind of how, it, how, how it's been for the last few years as well. And German football is kind of opposite to that because they want to protect their teams in Europe and the fitness of the, of the players for the, throughout the whole year as well. Spanish league are the same, French league are the same. Um, and it's kind of like, I'm not sure about the, the rest of the leagues, but I know for the fact those three leagues are the same. But so the Premier League, they said they would do it this year and they haven't. And when you're kind of looking at how, as a football fan, you could rather end up just carrying on supporting this team, again, still going to the games and still looking at them. But when I'm looking at some of these teams in the Premier League, they just looked a lot more, um, how can I say it? Some teams, they'll, they'll play really good but you don't get to see them play really good until you're actually seeing them properly on TV, which still is a benefit. You get to see some teams playing, but I miss how when we've been in foreign countries, it might be like this for you in Vietnam, Oliver. When you're in foreign countries, you get to see all of the games at the same time. So they're all live and they're all available. Yeah, yeah. Because England still has that 3 p.m. blackout, which is ridiculous. I find that ridiculous, personally, of how old this law is about how you can never always watch your team play because it's never already always broadcasted but yeah, how is that yeah. kind of like for you Oliver as a as a fan in Vietnam I should say now yeah no nice no, it's, it's, it is nice because I'll have like the the flash scores on so it will ping me when there's a goal before yeah. like it's on so I could just flick channel and just like I'll catch the goal like straight away so it's nice to have that yeah definitely man but as you were saying just about like the the, the TV broadcasting like just changing football man when, when was it the Prem started it was before we were born, 92, yeah, yeah. So it's before our time, really. So we, we never really got to to experience what football was like before that, man. But did you recently see the quote from uh, Sari? Mauricio Sari. Yeah, I can't remember what he said. It was like, um, it was just about how the game's gone. <laughs> just like, it's all about, as you were saying, it's all about getting them on TV, getting them to play this. It's all commercial. And uh, yeah, man, it's just... I don't know, do you find that as like something that's kind of creating an identity crisis in the sport at all? Like who is it for that, anymore? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of lost its magic in a way. That may just be like us like fantasizing about how when we were kids and we'd enjoy these footballers that we would look, to, look at as our heroes. But I think because for me, like I've always gone to games when win, lose or draw. I still enjoy the day out. It's still a nice time to go out and, and watch yeah. games and stuff. But when you're kind of looking at it now and you're thinking 
oh yeah, these these players, they don't care about us because they're walking off the pitch with their heads held down. The managers complain about the team. The Man United situation of spending so much money since Alex Ferguson's left and we still haven't won a league title. We haven't won a Champions League. We've won these FA Cups, League Cups and uh, the Europa League and we've lost in finals multiple times as well. It kind of kind of just shows that with the with the owners that we've had, they're just happy that we're in these competitions and competing, so they're cool with it. But us mm-hmm. as fans, we're obviously not happy because we want to see our team at the top as well. And when you're looking yeah. at um, a team like Arsenal, for example, who we both love the fact that they've been suffering a demise since Arsenal, <laughs> which is good. I know, I know they won the FA Cup recently, but um, even with them, they're, they're more relevant and more famous now because of their Arsenal fan TV channel. Because That's true, man. You see their memes and their videos every other week, and the, the people on that channel have then gone off and earned money from their team's demise, realistically. That's true. <laughs> they've actually gone on to other things, and they've built um, a kind of platform for, for themselves to be followed by different people on social media because yeah. their views on their team failing have been more popular than the team actually failing or not doing very well. Which it's is true, which, man. Which is crazy to see because it's, it's like you want a team to fail so you know that um, the fans will react in a certain way. Like Man United fans, realistically speaking, a lot of them now are hoping Ole Gunnar Solskjaer fails in the next two, three weeks so he gets sacked. But then you're kind mm. of thinking, who are we going to get to replace him? Because there's only a couple of people you can think of replacing him at this time. But Yeah, it's tough. Man. You'd want Conte or something. Yeah, Conte, Luis Enrique is my choice, who I want as a future manager. Okay, yeah, yeah. The Spain manager. I like the way he plays. Yeah. Is it available as well? But going back to going back to that situation that you were just saying, it, it has changed and it has become more commercialized. And I think that's the way with a lot of these sports as well, because you'll have people um, saying rugby's changed. Rugby, the sport on the pitch hasn't really changed, which is personally fine. Yeah. I feel I still watch rugby. Cricket on the pitch has adapted, changed. Some things have been good, some change, things have been bad. Um, but off the pitch has changed dramatically as well because of the growth of money, the growth of market. And that's yeah. been due to the commercialization of it. Football has just gone from another level completely and it's it's off the charts in terms of sports on these worldwide sports as well. Mainly because of the growth of commercialization, the growth of sponsors, the growth of player popularity and everything. The rivalry between Lionel Messi and Ronaldo fans has been something that's just built up over the years as well, which is crazy. And even people nowadays, they'll know household names of of these players, for example, that you won't really see, but they'll know them from like social media, or they'll know them from adverts, and you'll know them from this, this, and this. Like mm-hmm. another example is on the commercialization is on the weekend there was a Puma advert that was out, and it was of Neymar advertising um, a Puma design, which was in collaboration with the Batman film that's coming out in March. So you kind of like that's not very football like. It's just more like <laughs> commercialization or advertising. So a model at this point. <laughs> it's more like a model, you're right. And you're just kind yeah. of thinking that football is there for you, for people to make money off, realistically. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's just kind of what I was saying at the start. Like how like when I come back, I'm not sure I want to follow it as as uh, rigorously as I used to, man. And I don't know if it does it come down to like the foreign investment and the people who are, own the club. They just don't like care, as you were talking about Arsenal. So yeah, I agree you mentioned and disagree with that. Yeah, you you mentioned the model of Germany as well, where mm. like it's like something like fifty percent stakes owned by 
fans. I, mean, I don't yeah. really watch Bundesliga, so but it's just it's just hearing that sounds good, man. <laughs> my my prime example is um, Leicester City. So mm. with with their foreign owners, okay, yeah, yeah. they're they're the ones that have kind of invested in the community, invested in um, the local area. So me living in Leicester for a couple of months when I was there last year as well. It's a nice area to live in near the stadium, there are different places and things that I'd never really experienced when I'd go and visit my family there, which was which is crazy. But the fact that you could see their kind of footprint on, on the city, which, which is quite nice to see, even after the the original chairman had passed away in that helicopter incident, which was which is awful to see. Uh, but, rest in peace, man. Rest in peace. But you'd end up seeing um still fans that like still cheering his name in stadiums, they they'll still mm. appreciate him and they won the FA Cup last season, which was a brilliant feat for them as well. And that's when you can kind of see it when you see the the chairman coming down and celebrating with the fans. Yeah, that was lovely, man. Honestly, yeah. I had goosebumps over my team, and I was just here like, I wish that was my team. <laughs> yeah, you, you you're all kind of looking at the Premier League and thinking, how many more of these chairmen or owners could come down and celebrate with the players like that? Because you don't, you know the fans will receive them or the, or the manager oh, yeah. will receive them as well. I'd say hand- surely not. Yeah, not Daniel Levy, the no, robot man. <laughs> not the Blazers, not Stan Kroenke. Nah. Yeah, I not guess FFC I guess we're the going through nah. a lot of these, and it's crazy. And it even goes into this whole like the, obviously the other side is like the Newcastle thing with the the human rights situation, the t- the television rights things that's going that's on it, in Saudi man. Arabia. But Newcastle fans don't care because they're in the money now, so it doesn't matter to them. But that's it. It's just it's just how it is. Like money's just kind of running um, football away from the from from the everyday man, really. And that's why people have been going more to like non-league games, mm-hmm. local games in the country to kind of experience a bit more of just like properly enjoying the game. And that's something yeah. where um, it's kind of benefited for someone like Luke, who does Enfield United, like our friend Luke, who's, who's done that. Yeah. And it's good for them because they're getting people to watch their games. I'm not sure if they charge for tickets or not, but they get to see people coming to go and watch their games. Which like, is it's like community, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, what, it's, it's what football is. It's like, it's like you're restarting football in a way. You're going back from, oh, yeah, I've got my normal team, which is Man United, but the team I actually do like supporting is da-da-da-da-da, like Enfield United or... Um, that's it. <laughs> like my friend's <laughs> in the Sunday League team and has got people that come and watch his team play. And I'm like, that's, that's good for you as well because you get to see what it's like with a crowd you've got to, um, what it's like when your parents get to see you and stuff like that, which is still well. Uh, still well. That is nice, man. Especially like cup finals, you'll get like extra people down. Mm. Maybe like people's parents start coming down, and yeah, that's that's how like that's how football should be, and that's how I felt football was like when I was when I was younger, going to games um, with my dad. Like everyone's just like everyone's just a one that everyone's just together. It's like a, a unit, you know, and. Uh, I don't know, just maybe it's just the way football's going. I'm uh, getting a bit bitter because my, my team aren't, uh, aren't delivering, man. <laughs> no, it's not even that. Like over the last five, six years, I've noticed that as well with the, like I mentioned, the social media aspects of it. And um, I'm guilty of, of doing it this season. But over the last five years or so, there, there's a time when I went to watch Man United versus Spurs with my, uh, my uncle who's a season to get older. There's been a season to get older for, now 29 years at Old Trafford, which, which is crazy. So I went to watch the game mm. with him. We won 3-0. Wayne Rooney did that boxing celebration, the iconic one. And nice. um, my uncle at halftime, he was like, the woman behind me, like on the other side of him, 
like that way. It was like she's been she's been on her phone the whole time talking with her mates, not looking up, not talking. And I'm like, I'm like, why would she spend the money on coming here? Or why would why would she waste a ticket for a fan who could easily come and enjoy an experience like this? That's as it, well? man. It's kind of it's kind of um kind of unfortunate really because you see so many fans out here that will will like die to get a, a glimpse of Old Trafford or the Emirates or whatever it is because they're from foreign countries and they they can do that. But for some people, it's a tourist attraction coming to. Yeah, man. That's what it's like, man. Just customers coming through, mm. especially like all the corporate people in cup finals and fans not really getting a, like a big allocation. That that Europa League final, um, the Arsenal versus Chelsea yeah, yeah. in Baku, that always stands out to me because of how it was meant to be a final, final, and you had like 18,000 people in a 65,000 capacity stadium. And we saw last it's summer. Mad, in it? <laughs> it's mad. Yeah, we saw last summer in the Euros that Baku Stadium was actually live with like 25, 30,000 people in there for cheaper tickets. And I think Wales played against Switzerland in one of the games there. And it was still mm. a pretty good atmosphere. But for people to just take over because of corporate greed, it's just, it's just unfortunately how it is, Oliver. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, nah, shit, man. But um, yeah, man, I guess like as you were saying though, with like Leicester, you're like, if you get a good owner, and they're investing in the community, then, you know, that's great. I guess Spurs do it as well. They do invest in the community mm. and they have community projects and they're helping to redevelop sites. Maybe uh, as fans, man, we just shouldn't ask for so much. <laughs> Should, uh, yeah. Just it, go, go back to supporting the, yeah, your Enfield Uniteds, your Enfield Towns, you know, and uh, just enjoy the day out and, try not to care too much about the results i don't know but we're, we're all so emotionally invested it's it's hard for the fan and financially invested as as we were mentioning earlier what it is it is again takes us back full circle of us being without going to football games for a year and for you for a couple more years again being abroad as well so it's like for example if you were to have gone to the Tottenham versus man city game at the beginning of the season and you won you'd still be very happy. You still would have had a day out and it still would have been a good yeah, day. True. Well, alternatively, if you were to have gone to a game this season where you lost, you'd still have had a day out, spent some money, but you'd just be upset about the result as well. But um, even for me, like for, for tomorrow, I'm still gassed about going to the game. I'm still gassed about going um, with Toby as well. It'll be a good game to go out to Champions League night, Ronaldo. Um, but we're not in the best of forms, but I don't go and think, oh yeah, we're going to lose because you always go to a game thinking, oh yeah, we're going to do well because you want to build up your anticipation for yourself, which is brilliant. Mm. But end of the day, it definitely has changed over the last three, four years, let alone the last 10, 15 years in, in football as well. And it's definitely more, um, it's definitely more centered towards more customer based than actually fan based because of how you see adverts on social media. of Oh, buy our new kit, buy this, buy that, buy this with Ronaldo's name on the back. Yeah. <laughs> buy our DVD when we beat Arsenal. <laughs> If they still do DVDs as well, they might just <laughs> put the highlights on YouTube now as well. That's it, man. Which is crazy. Um, but no, that's that's kind of more or less what I wanted to say on this part of part of the pod. Like it has changed, but like you said, don't let it change the fact that you're still a football fan and you can still appreciate watching your team win. Yeah, man. Because just, no team is going to win all the games. I think just yeah, change expectations. You know, like as you're saying, you're looking forward to meeting up with Toby, going to have like a nice day regardless. And it's just, yeah, it's just trying to, trying to enjoy the moment, enjoy the game. 
it's just like when you go home and away and you've seen your team lose week in, week out, then <laughs> and you and yeah, the bank account goes down and down. It does drain drain you. But um no man, yeah, manage the expectations, I guess, and uh, try to look at the positives and still following them. Man, I hope you have a good one tomorrow. Hope, hope you get some uh, some goals this year. I wanna see a soon. Oh, days that that last vlog of me doing a sue it, it just didn't look right like I, my voice I hasn't been it. that high for years <laughs> going, sue. i can't even do I it now it. But my voice just broke when he scored that that 90th minute goal against Villarreal. so i'm like i'm i'm looking forward to it but my voice box isn't looking forward to it that's all i nah, can stadium looks sick man everyone was rocking and that's what it's about man that's when like you don't mind spending the money. <laughs> that's when that's when, when you, you know you've spent it properly as well. When you when you go uh, for a game and it's a nice occasion, basically. It's not like a game where people are leaving at like the 85th minute because it's one one and people want to get the train back home and that's it. Man. I want to get that early. <laughs> I want to leave the stadium me. early and never left the game early. You know, I've ne- I've never done that and I've never wanted to leave a game early. Um, even if we've lost a game or or we've drawn a game. It's not right because you're paying the money to sit there for 90 minutes or so, watch the game. Yeah. No, that's how I feel, man. I remember when I was at Park Lane Tottenham, I used to sit next to the fans. Mm. Even if we lost, I'd just sit there watching them like enjoy their moment, <laughs> just like pondering life. <laughs> Getting all deep. Make, yeah, make the most of it, man. If you've paid for the ticket, you know, if your team haven't performed, just uh, just try and enjoy it, I guess. <laughs> that's, all, that's all we can do, really. That's, that's the main thing. And and like I like I've said, we've barely been in the Champions League this last decade anyway. These last ten years, so may as well enjoy Champions League nights whilst we're there because the league will always be there. But Champions League yeah. here or there every other year, which is crazy. That's it, man. All right, Oliver. That's thanks it. very much for the conversation. Thanks everyone for listening. Yes, I'd like to hear a bit more um, feedback from this as well because I thought this is quite fascinating. So I might ask a couple more people about this and how they feel. Yeah, man. I want to. Yeah, I want to hear what other people are saying. Are you bitter like me, or is it just because I'm a Spurs fan, guys? <laughs> Let us know, man. <laughs> you hear what like Arsenal fans are thinking because they're the highest I don't, yeah. in the league. Yeah, man. Crazy. They, oh, I just watch it at Arsenal TV, and I can know. <laughs> just the violence in their voice you that, can hear as well. That circus. Uh, but no, uh, let's let's see some comments. Let's hear some um, feedback from this. It would be great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care and goodbye.